chapter 3 in your King James Bibles this evening. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank God, appreciate the hotel that the church has supplied for us to stay in these uh, today and uh, or yesterday and today. And uh, boy, I tell you, it uh, bypassed all of our expectations and we're thankful for it. And I thank you for your hospitality and your goodness and the food that you uh, allow us to partake with you this, uh, this afternoon. Uh, Brother Jason talked this morning in Sunday school, and Brother uh, John mentioned it again about the hot dog sales, and it took my mind back when I was preaching on the street not long ago. Well, matter of fact, it was last year in October at the Hickory Oktoberfest, and it's nothing but a three-day beer fest. And, and uh, we have a little stool we stand up on, and uh, it's not that we try to be over people, but it's easier to preach down, and your voice carries as to preach eye to eye. And... Uh, a lady come out and looked at me in the face. She said, could you come down off that stool for a second and talk to me on my level? I said, ma'am, I normally wouldn't do this, but uh, I'll do it you know, for your sake right now. So I come down, and she said, you see my T-shirt? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, that's, that's truth. Everybody needs Jesus. He said, well, I love the Lord. I'm a Christian, and I understand what you're doing. He said, but you think maybe you and your brother can move 50 feet down because you're interrupting our sales and I said ma'am I'm not trying to be disrespectful to you in any way but we're not going to move anywhere Amen. I said we've been doing this for years I said how long how long have you been here well we've been doing this for a long time I said no how long have you been at this spot uh, just this year I said well this this is our sixth year <laughs> we've been here a long time Amen. and uh, she said but look behind you so I turned around look behind me. they really want nobody there at that taco stand and uh she said, you're interrupting our business. We paid to be here, and we're not selling anything. We're losing money. I said, ma'am, I said, I'd rather somebody hear the Word of God get saved and go to heaven, starve to death, as they go to hell with one of your burritos in their hand. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's right. So needs to say, she went on around back, and I don't know how much they sold, but we stayed right there and preached Amen. the Word of God. And I said, thank God, it won't, I'm telling you, burritos and hot dogs won't get the job done, but Amen. it pleased God by the fullness of the preaching. Amen. Amen. It'll still work today. And uh, so John chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible said, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh 
or and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. You know this story well. Nicodemus has come to the Lord Jesus by night. I'm not going to argue this. It's not up for debate. But I've heard all my life that Nicodemus come to Jesus by night because he did not want anybody to know who he was talking to. He was afraid of what maybe some of the other Pharisees would have said. Nicodemus was a man of renown. He was famous. He was well known of others. I mean, he was a ruler of the Jews. He was a master in Israel. He was a teacher. If you said Nicodemus, everybody knew who he was talking about. But I don't necessarily believe that Nicodemus come to Jesus by night because of that reason. I believe sometime in the midnight hour, Nicodemus got troubled by what he was hearing and by what he was seeing that the Lord Jesus was doing. That's why the Bible said in verse number 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Nicodemus. Friend, I believe Nicodemus needed some help. And he come to the right place. I can't say that Nicodemus got saved here in John 3. But I believe somewhere between John 3 and the time Jesus died, Nicodemus got birth into the family of God. Matter of fact, he helped Joseph of Arbathea take the body of Christ down off the cross. When Jesus said, Nicodemus, you may be a ruler of the Jews, you may be a master in Israel, you may be a teacher, but friend, you must be born again. He was troubled. But the Bible said here in verse number 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest of the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. If God help me, I want to preach on where has the wind gone. You cannot tell where it comes from, and you have no idea where it's gone. So where has the wind gone? Friend, just as sure as the wind comes, the wind goes. You can be outside on a hot summer day and say, thank God for that breeze. But within a moment of time, that breeze is gone. And you're thinking to yourself, where has that breeze gone? Friend, the Bible lets us know, hey, the wind could come. We're going to talk about three things that possibly the wind could come from, first of all. Number one, it could come from Satan. You remember in the book of Job, Job was a perfect man. Job eschewed evil. Job feared God. But there come a day that Satan stood before the Lord and said that Job served thee for naught. Because God asked Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? And the Bible said that God told Satan, that job is in your hand. You can do with him whatever you want. I'm giving you the power to do so, but his life you can't touch. His assets were, uh, were taken. 
His camels were taken. His oxen were taken. His sheep were taken. His servants were killed. And the Bible tells us that there was a wind that came and blew down the house that his children were in. That wind can come from the devil. Sometimes, friend, the wind blows in your life and you have no idea where it may be coming from. It could be coming from the devil. Not that you've done anything wrong. Not that you've disobeyed God. But maybe it's that God has considered you and let the devil come to try and test you on your stand for the Lord. Bible said that Job, hey, how many of you, when everything's are going good, everything's coming together, the bills are paid on time, the bank account's full, and you raise your hands in the air, and you shout the victory. But how many of you can do what Job did? When he lost everything he had within a moment of time, and the Bible said he rent his clothes, fell down to the ground, and he worshipped God. It's easy to worship when everything's going good. Amen. But you'll see how close you really are when everything ain't going so well. Amen. So that wind could be coming from Satan. Number two, that wind could be coming from a storm. Acts 27. You know the story well. Paul said, hey, he'd be better off we not to leave. He said, I perceive this is going to be something of danger and hurt to us. He said over in uh, Acts 27 verse 9, Now when much time was spent, and when Salem was now dangerous, because of the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them, said to them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. And just like the day and hour in which you and I live, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. They say, who in the world does Paul think he is? He's not a master. He's not a ship master. He don't know what it's like to be a captain of a ship. He knows nothing about sailing. He may not have knew anything about selling, but he knew who the Savior was. He knew who God was. And he's been with the Lord and said, hey, it'd be better off to stay right here. Stay put. Don't go anywhere. But nevertheless, they believed the master of the ship more than that which was spoken by Paul. Yes, sir. The Bible said in verse 14 and 15, but not long after, there arose Against it a temptuous wind called your Rockladon. And when the ship was caught, could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. The wind could be coming from a storm. A storm of disobedience. I'm going to tell you something, friend, it do you well to be obedient to the Lord. It'll do you well to get under this man of God and listen to him preach the word. And listen and take heed to what the man of God is saying. And do it with everything that's in you. Amen. 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 
Could you imagine this? With the wind blowing in their face. These men, 276 of them, scared to death. And Paul stands out there on the ship. He's a hanging on. Wind popping him in the face. His clothes are blowing in the wind. And he says, be of good cheer. Well, ain't too many of us going to shout the victory when the winds is crashing in on us and the waves are beating against the ship, are we? He says, but hey, be of good cheer. He said, I believe God. <laughs> Thank God there's an angel that said, you stay in the ship. Everybody's life is going to be saved except that of the ship. If they'd have listened to him the first time, they wouldn't have been in the mess they're in now. But thank God they listened to him the second time and what Paul said would happen, happened. They all landed safe. It could be coming from the storm. But thirdly, the wind could be coming from the Spirit of God. John 3, 8, the last part says, So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The wind can blow in your life. If you're lost and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, hear the wind and the Word of God's the type of the Spirit of God. Thank God for the day, hallelujah, that I heard the wind blow. Amen. Uh, friend, I'm telling you, on April the 28th, 1991, thank God the wind blew in my direction. The Bible said, hey, you're not going to feel it. You're going to hear it. I'm going to tell you why some people don't know the voice of God now. It's because you didn't hear it when you said you got saved. Amen. Amen. So how'd you know you was lost? God told me I was. How else am I going to know it? Amen. I'm telling you, I got troubled. I'm talking about in the midnight hours. I ain't saying you got to get here, but that's where I got I'm talking about I get up in the midnight. I'd rock myself back and forth on my mom and daddy's red couch. Fold my legs up, cross my arms. Wouldn't even close my eyes. Rock myself back and forth all night long. Scared to death I was going to go to hell if I was to close my eyes. I had no idea what my problem was. I just knew the wind was blowing. But on April 28, 1991, on that Sunday morning, I don't know where, Brother Jason, the Holy Ghost said you lost. And all that fear, and all that trouble, and all those drawings and dealings of the Spirit of God came down to that one moment of time when He says you lost. And my eyes were open. And I seen myself lost without God, religious, passing out the tracks, singing in the youth choir, teaching you Sunday school when the times come around for it, all lost. Thank God the Holy Ghost knew better. Everybody said, you might not church saved you are, and thank God the Holy Ghost knows a little bit better than they do. Amen. It could be coming from the Spirit of God. Where's all this trouble coming from? Hear a message on hell and you start getting trouble. Where's all that coming from? Right. Hear a message on the second coming of Christ and all that fear starts going. Where's this coming from? Right. Could be coming from the Holy Ghost. Right. Amen. Thank Amen. God for the wind. Amen. Let me tell you what's going to get your boys saved.
Did y'all feel that? No, you didn't feel it. You heard it. What's going to get them loved ones down the aisle? What's going to get this place set on fire for God? A little wind from the holy place of God. That's the only thing that's going to work. We know where it may be coming from, but where's the wind gone? I hear stories of used to be's. That's how it used to be. I've read books on what it used to be like. And I'm wondering to myself, where in the world has the wind gone? Number one, it could be gone because of sin. God never puts His hand and blessing upon sin. Never. Ezekiel, if you read that entire book, I mean God told Ezekiel that He was going to send him to a rebellious nation of people that took no caution of the consequences. He was going to send them to stiff-hearted children. He was going to send them to a people that had a harsh heart. Their eyes were set on the world. Their hearts were set on idols and other gods. And God told Ezekiel, they're not even going to listen to what you've got to say. He said, but they're going to know there's a prophet been among them. I'm going to tell y'all fellas something to go to the street. Some of them may, a lot of them may not hear you. They're going to know there's been a preacher among them. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Thank God they're going to say, you cannot convince me, friend, that Noah did not know the only people getting on an ark was him and his family. God said, you're going to build an ark for the saving of thy house. He didn't say anything about saving the world. But Noah preached to that crowd because when that first raindrop hit their face and that ark door was shut, every man, every woman, Every teenager is going to stand before God without excuse. That's right. Every one of them. Right. Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Caused me to pass by them round about. Behold, there were very many in the open valley. Lo, they were very dry, boy, when in them days. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, thou knowest. I don't know if they can or not, Lord, but you do. And again, he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God in these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. You shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them and the skin covered them above. There was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and I like this, and the breath came. 
hinder them and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Sin! The Bible said that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness will bring a nation up, but sin will take her down. We're living in a day and an hour in this land in which we live where America is embracing sin. We're catering to the sodomites. We're we're catering to the abortion crowd. We're catering to everybody but the child of God. We want God out of the White House. We want God out of the schoolhouse. We want God out of the courthouse. And said to say most churches won't God out of the house of the Lord. I stood. Brother Smith, I know some great preachers. And I respect them highly. They had a, a rally in Raleigh. I think it was in May. I'm not really sure. By the way, June is Pride Month. They had a rally back in May or April, May in Raleigh out there on the, on the, on the grass. And I thought there was going to be, I'm not even going to mention names, but I thought there was going to be preaching there. It was in support of the HB2 bill that we passed in North Carolina about transgenders and men and going to women's bathrooms and women going into men's bathrooms. And I thought there was going to be some old level young men of God get up there and preach and there wasn't no preacher. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If you're waiting on the Senate to get the job done, you're waiting on the wrong people. But they got them up there and they spilled it out and all of them, praise God, they shouted. And, and right across the legislative building on the other side, the LGBT was having their little rally too. Hundreds upon hundreds. The North Carolina chapter of the NAACP, the president was there speaking. Me and my family got in the car from that rally and we was driving home and got 25 miles away. The Holy Ghost said, go back and preach. I told my wife, I said, I believe I failed God. If I don't turn this car around, go back and preach. So I turned around. Our rally's already over. Everybody done gone home. I turned 25 miles around and went to the other side of the legislator building. We walked down that little alley right there and I seen a, I mean, there's masses of people. I asked that police officer, said, Sir, can I preach here? He said, I don't see why not. I said, Thank you. Amen. If he had said no, I'd have preached anyway. Because <laughs> I know it's public ground. Amen. So I get within maybe 50 yards of the president of the NAACP. And, brother, as loud as I could get her, Amen. I preached. And everybody's head. Hey. Here comes the police. 30 seconds into it. You can't preach here. I said, sir, I just told I could. He said, this is a protest. This is a rally. You're not allowed to be here. I said, it's not paid. I said, my tax dollars pay for these people to stand right here and do what they're doing. And that Amen. same tax dollars pays for me to be able to stand right here and do what I'm doing. Amen. I said, the Constitution says I can. Above that, God says I can. Amen. And so we talked back and forth long enough to where they started leaving. 
I think, man, I've lost my opportunity. I said, where are they going? He said, they're going to go march inside the legislative building that's across the street. I said, well, how many can go in at a time? He said, 180. I said, so while the 180 is in there doing what they're doing, everybody else has to stand still. He said, that's right. I said, thank you. Amen. So I walk across the street, and within an hour, I preached for two and a half hours. And stood up on that little knee wall and cried aloud and spared not. And God helped me to preach. I'm telling you, I did not do it on my own. Somebody said, who was with you? I said, my family was there. I said, and one gentleman come up behind me out of nowhere, Brother Smith. I mean, out of nowhere. And all I heard was a voice that said, preach it, boy. Preach it, son. Preach it. I'm here with you. He said, you're here by yourself. And I turned around as a black fellow. And he had a, like the Catholic collar around his neck. And so I talked to him and I said, where, where are you from? He said, I'm high point. I said, where are you are you a pastor, preacher, or something? He said, Well, I pastor a church, and name the name of the church. I don't know what type of church. It ain't what Baptist. Probably contemporary. Or at least he's there standing against sin. That's right. That's right. I, I talked to him for a little bit and kept on a preaching and preached. He stood there for two and a half hours. And anybody that tried to come and interrupt me, he'd take them off to the side and deal with them. Amen. And I told him, I said, Sir, I really appreciate you standing with me. I shook his hand. And he said, are you finished? I said, I'm going home. I'm about wore out. He said, well, I wasn't going to leave until I knew you was finished. I said, I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's time to take a stand. It's easy to take a stand when everybody's standing with you. There'll come a time in Paul's life where he made this statement, all men forsook me. Yet the Lord Thank God was there. You're not standing by yourself. We're living in a land that needs you and I to take a stand. We're living in an hour that maybe God, like Mordecai told Esther, for such a time as this. We're not here by accident. I've thought many times, wasn't it God? I could have been born back in the 16 and 1700s and seen those great moves of God that you read about and hear about and would like to be a part of. But God's got us here for such a time as this. And maybe God's going to save the past for last. I got to thinking about that marriage in Canaan in John 2. How he saved the good wine in the last. I said, Lord God in heaven, Maybe you just saved the best for last. Would you remember us one more time? Yes. David said, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of your people, but wilt thou not revive us again? You can't advertise revival. Revival advertises itself. Spontaneous moves of God is not in a time frame from 7 to 9.30 at night. I'm talking about moves of God, friend, where men and women that saved by the good grace of God get under such a burden. Where does revival start? On your knees. It ain't going to start right here. It's going to start back there at the house when you get in that secret place and nothing else matters.
Let me ask you something today. If God told you to quit something that you dearly loved, even though it may not be wrong, would you be willing to quit? What's got your heart's affection? What do you spend your time talking about more? If God put His finger on it, and you want to go the second mile, God's going to tell you to quit some things that may not be that wrong. Are you willing to stop it? How far are you willing to go? Except He deny Himself. Pick up His cross and follow me. He cannot be my disciple. I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's some things I guarantee in your life right now that's got your heart away from that Bible. I guarantee there's some things in your life right now that may take you away from that prayer closet. I guarantee there may be some things in your life that you'll spend more time doing than you do spending with the Lord. Brother Smith, I was in Oceana, West Virginia. Got up there on that living room floor, that little double wide. I said, Lord, what's keeping me from going all the way? And you know what he told me? He said, you got to quit watching that basketball. Because when October, November rolled around, we all know what that is. That's college basketball season. I'm a Tar Heel fan. And I ate it up every bit of it. Brother Smith, that was taking me away. And God said, you're going to quit. And I could not have done that on my own because I was so hooked up in I said, Lord, it's not but from November to March. But God don't want April, May, June, July, August, September, October, and then you quit Him November to March. That's right. You know what else He told me? He said, you're going to quit reading your military history books. I didn't see anything wrong with it. But when it come time to read the Bible and it come time to try to pick up one of those military history, I got to the place, young lady, where I was reading more of the military history than I was that Bible. And God said, you're going to quit. You say, you arrived? No, I ain't arrived. But I'm telling you, when you get serious with God, and you want to go all the way, there'll be some things that God will say you're going to have to stop. How much revival do you want? How close to God do you really want to get? I got to thinking one day, I said, I wonder why Peter, James, and John got to see things that the other ones didn't get to see. And we was having our family altar, I believe it was, and the Bible said that Peter, James, and John went and talked to Jesus privately. Where was the other? I wonder how many times Peter, James, and John distanced themselves from the other disciples. I think we're just going to spend some time alone with the Lord. It pays to be close. Yes, it does. Amen. You'll see things that other people won't ever get a chance to see. Good, brother. Amen. I'm going to 
I'm going to tell you something. I've talked to Brother Smith. I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart God can do something with y'all. You're close-knit. But when you go from a transition from one place to another, that's a good time for the devil to slip in and just take everything and bust it all apart. You better stay close. You better stay close. Number two, where's the wind gone? It could be gone because there's a stillness. You know the story in Mark chapter 4. Jesus already preached to the crowd while He was sitting in a ship. He tells His disciples to go ahead and disperse the crowd. Get in the ship. We're going to go to the other side. The Bible said in verse 35, In the same day when the evening was come, He saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took Him, talking about Jesus, even as He was in the ship. What was it? We're going to find out. And there were also with Him other little ships. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. He was in the hinder part of the ship asleep. That's how they took Him. He was already asleep. And they awake him and said to him, Master, carest not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. I wonder, Peter, Andrew, James, and John were fishermen. They'd been on a ship before. They've been out there on the open sea in the storms. They never seen one like this one. The Lord Jesus is asleep on a pillar. They're out there scared to death, fearful of their life. They run to where Christ is. He says, Master, cast not that we perish. And Jesus stands up and rebukes the wind. The wind ceased. The waves laid down like a sheet of glass. And the Bible said there was a great calm. Hey, I'm wondering where that, where'd the wind go? Thank God the master stood up and said, peace, be still. You remember the day when you got saved? The turmoil and the trouble and the war that's going on on the inside. Friend, I'm talking about, thank God, the sweating bullets. Thank God when you hit that altar wherever you was at when you got saved, all of a sudden the peace has settled your soul. Where did the wind go? Thank God He said, Peace be still. Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. Thank God, friend, when there's peace that floods our soul, peace that passes understanding. You know what most people say when they get saved? They say it's like a weight lifted off my shoulder. I say, I can identify with that. You asked anybody, thank God, what was it like when you got saved? It's like a weight. I can't even really explain it. It's like a weight just lifted off of me. You felt free for the first time in your life. Where'd the wind go? Thank God it ceased. Amen. There was a stillness. There's a stillness of being surrendered. Say Chronicles 38, yield yourselves unto the Lord. 
You know what that word surrender means? It means to yield, to give up oneself into the power of another. You ever done that? I remember I was 14 years old. I was saved. And I seen an army recruiter in our hallways of our high school. I mean, he had ribbons up the side of his chest and patches down his arm. I said, that's what I want to do right there. I was 14 years old. Went home, told my mom and daddy how all these brochures and all these pamphlets. And I said, I know what I want to do. I want to jump out of airplanes and hit the ground shooting things and blowing stuff up. I said, that's what I want to do. And they said, well, you pray about it. So here's my prayer, Brother Smith. I said, Lord, help me to be the best I can be. I'll go in there, I'll win people to the Lord. I'll tell them about Jesus. The military needs some people in there. Tell them about them, win them to the Lord. I said, I'll be the best I can be. Help me. Help me, Lord. I never did pray, is it your will? I just thought I thought it was. He's 16 years old. I'm going to the debt programs at the Army Recruiting Station there in Hickory, and you can't even go to debt until you're 17. But they told me I can be a part of it. I can take the courses and learn all the stuff I need to learn, do all the things I need to do. I was learning to march. I was learning to cadence. I knew military time, front and backwards, the alphabet, the general orders, I knew the whole nine yards. I turned 17. Mom and Dad got a little cold feet and said, won't you go to college first, try that out, and, you know, pray a little bit longer. I said, okay. Went to college, dropped out my, last, my first semester. I hated college. And you know who was standing on the steps when I, I left that school? That armor recruiter, Sergeant Moon, I'll never forget it. He was standing on the front steps of that college. He said, you ready to join? I said, this has got to be God. I learned real quick, you don't go on signs like that. The devil can give you a sign if you want one. But I took it as the Lord. I went down to Maps in Charlotte. Stuck my left hand on that dotted line. And for the first time in, three, in four years, God said no. I, 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 my heart's beating out of my chest. I'm sweating like you wouldn't believe. My hands are shaking. And I told Sergeant Moon, I said, the Holy Ghost just said no. I said, I can't do it. He said, oh, it's the devil. He, he, said, he said, don't listen to the devil. He said, we need men like you. Kept bragging, trying to flatter you up a little bit. And I signed that line. I swore in that day and I got in that car for four years. That's all I ever wanted to do. When I got in that car to drive home, I just made the worst decision I ever made. I didn't care about going then. Didn't care about learning anything else. Wasn't I was anti-American. I wasn't anti, I just disobeyed the God of heaven. They come and pick me up on February 1997, 4 o'clock in the morning. Mom and Dad's crying. I hugged their neck. I was headed for Alabama. He took me down a shot. I'm on my way there. And I said, Lord, there ain't but two ways out of this thing. I said, is it tell them I'm going to kill myself? Or I'm either overweight. And as you can see, that wasn't the choice. <laughs> I stood on those scales that day. I was two pounds underweight. I mean, I stuffed my face full of bananas. I was sick as a dog. I'm two pounds underweight. 
And here's what that guy told me. He said, you can't go. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're underweight. That's a medical problem. He said, you got, you got two choices. He said, you either stay, eat all you can eat, and we'll weigh you tomorrow. Or you can go home, act like this thing never happened. I said, I've taken the ladder. Most people look at you like you're some type of dodger. I'd rather be in God's army than any army. Amen. I'd rather be in the will of God than out of the will of God. That's right. Yes, sir. And my daddy gave me a roll of quarters. He said, you ever need this? He said, you call. Well, I called him and he didn't answer. <laughs> Thank you, Pop. <laughs> I had two left. I mean, I had two quarters left. That's how many that phone took was two quarters. I called my uncle because he worked in Charlotte on Thursday. I was shipping out on Thursday. Thank God it works out that way. My recruiter's done gone. I have nobody to take me home. I called my uncle. He answers the phone. I can't believe he's in the truck. I said, where you at, Ronnie? I said, you close to this map station? Matter of fact, we're right around the block. I said, why don't you come pick me up? I'm going home. And so I tell the, the, the men there, I said, my uncle's coming. He said, he's going to pick me up. I said, I'm going to the house, thank God. And so I hear the buzzers going off, and here comes a black man that works for my uncle. He comes in, and I said, that's, that's not my uncle. <laughs> he throws his hands up, the metal detector's going off. He said, that's him, that's him right there. I said, that's not my uncle. <laughs> but I went home that day. You talk about more happy than I've ever been. And June the 20th, 1998, I remember it like it is yesterday. That man of God made this statement. If God could use somebody like you, would you be willing to let God use you? I threw up that old wet, white flag. I said, Lord, I done tried to college. I done tried to go to the military. I tried to do it my way. I said, here I am. I'm all yours. March the 7th, 1999. Somebody asked me one day, he said, how did God call you to preach? I said, he said, preach. And I said, yes. That's how it worked with me. I did my best to surrender all. And you talk about a stillness. Are you surrendered tonight? A young man, if God could use somebody like you, would you be willing? To let God use you. When God says preach, just do it. Ain't no need to run because He's going to catch you. There's no need to try to hide because He knows exactly where your hiding places are. Whatever God says to do, do it. Whatever God says to stop doing, stop doing it. And go the second mile and surrender all. And there'll be a stillness in your life. Amen. Amen. Thank God. I'm finished with this. Where's the wind gone? It may be gone because you've been silent. Proverbs chapter 1. Verse number 22. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. Fools hate knowledge. 
reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will, na- I will make known my words unto you because I've called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said and not all my counsel with none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Your fear cometh as desolation. Your destruction cometh as a wild wind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge, did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. There's a day that God will call man. And man's got to make a choice. He'll either receive or he'll refuse. One of the two. Then there'll be a day when man did not want God. But now man wants God. But God is silent. There's a day that God called and man was silent. Then there'll be a day that man will call, but God will be silent. There's not one person that's in hell tonight that God's not laughing at. There's not one person that'll stand at the great white throne judgment of God and say, Oh God, search the book again and see if my name is there in God. Laughs when that fear grips their soul. Brother Percy Ray preached all week long, and a 16 year old young lady would come through the doors of that church. And Brother Ray's eyes caught a hold of her, and he went back there to her and said, Young lady, you need to get saved. She says, Brother Ray, I'm going to the prom on Friday night. After the prom, I promise you, I'm going to get saved. She'd come back on Tuesday and say, Young lady, you need to get saved. She said, Brother Ray, I've got my prom dress. I'm going to the prom on Friday. But after the prom, I promise you, I'm going to get saved. And Wednesday come around, say the same thing. Thursday. Friday comes around, she walks in that church in her prom dress. Brother Ray says, Young lady, you better get saved. He says, Brother Ray, look, I've got my prom dress like I told you. My boyfriend's out in the car. We're going to go to the prom. I promise you, after the prom, we'll get saved. She walks out the door of that church, and just a few seconds later, they hear a blood-curdling scream. And she's, they thought someone got hit by a car. The men of the church run out that door. And they see that young lady sprawled out on the ground in her prom dress, weeping and crying, saying, I've got my prom dress, but God's gone. They picked her up and they carried her to the altar and prayed over her, wept and cried. And she'd get up from the altar saying, I've got my prom dress, but God's gone. Years passed by and Brother Ray comes to her house and she's sitting on a rocking chair in a dazed and far out look in her eye. He walks up on the 
steps to that porch and she's rocking back and forth. She says, Brother Ray, there's no need for you to come by my house anymore. She said, because you see, I've got my prom dress. But God is gone. There'll be a day that God will call a man. Man's got to make a choice. And there'll be a day when man makes that choice. I don't believe I need God today. And there'll be a day man needs God. But he will not answer. My 13-year-old Annabelle turned 13 back in May. Brother Smith, I've never done this. The Holy Ghost told me to preach at that party. And I'm, I'm talking nervous. I got family members there. We're out in the garage. The garage door's open. All my neighbors are around. And I preached on what if Lazarus could have testified. Go send Lazarus to my five brothers' house. My father's house. I got five brothers. They got Moses and the prophets. If they won't hear him, they won't hear Lazarus. But I preached on what if Lazarus could have testified. I wonder what he'd say. I wonder how many chances that rich man had to get saved. How many times he bypassed Lazarus knowing he was nothing but a sorry beggar. God puts roadblocks in your path. He'll put some stop signs on the broad road. You'll either stop or you'll keep going. Where's the wind gone? It may be gone. Because you've been silent. Now God's silent. I know a young man. I preached a message one time on uh, when the harvest is past. And he went out in the parking lot, Brother Jason, and he told another preacher in the church, he said, I should have got saved. And now he could care less about church. Holy Ghost ain't nowhere around. I'm telling you, folks, you don't play around with the call of God. If God says you're lost, I don't matter what mom and daddy says. It doesn't matter that little profession you may have made when you was young. If the Holy Ghost says you're lost, you better take it to the bank. That's what you are. And you better get saved. Times are running out. Friend, if you reject God, there may be a day He'll reject you when you call. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for the Word of God. Lord, where's the wind gone? Lord, as Nehemiah would pray, as Daniel would pray, forgive us, Lord, for we have sinned. Lord, we're living in a nation that's full of sin. Lord, you said if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Father, forgive us for we have sinned. 
have mercy upon us. Lord, we're here for such a time as this. Help us, Lord, not to fall short and drop the ball. Lord, we're living in the last of the last days. It's the eleventh hour. Help us, oh God, not to be the only generations that's never seen a move of God. Lord, may they be some young folk. May they be some middle-aged folk. Maybe those, or they may be up in years and silver-headed. Gotta say, Lord, here I am. Lord, the Lord hath need of you. Lord, may they come surrender all. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you do a work in this place. Touch hearts. Do that that only you can do. Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Brother, if you wouldn't mind coming and playing, I surrender all. I guess maybe a good one. That's easy to say, hard to live. God could use somebody like you. Are you willing to let God use you? tell you something folks we need revival every true child of God ought to have that I mean just that if you've ever been there thank God you're not satisfied without it if you've ever heard the wind blow blow through the house of God you're not satisfied when it's not There's ever a day we need to win. There's ever a day we need the Holy Ghost. It's in this day in which we're living. Anything in your life that's keeping you from going all the way, you don't have to have a preacher to tell you what it is. You already know. Nothing like living a surrendered life where nothing else matters but Jesus. You say, well, I'm waiting on God to stir me up. The Bible says there's no man that stirreth up himself to take hold of God. When's the last time you just stirred your own self up? Remember what God's done for you in the past. There's a community outside these doors that's going to go to hell if somebody don't reach them. Instead of praying so much, God, would you send this one? Would you send that one? Won't you start praying, God, would you send me? You'll not be satisfied until you're in the will of God. There's no such a thing as a permissive will. You're either in the will of God or you're not.
You say, preacher, I can't do it. You're right, you can't. But Christ can do it through you. It would be a good place for us to get to where we say, Lord, I can't do it. But I know you can. There's too many people that know how to do it. They know how to preach. They know how to sing. They know how to testify. They know how to witness. They, how to, they know how to say the right words at the right time. It'd be a good place you'd get to say, Lord, I just really don't know what I'm doing. Thank the Lord. 